0: You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms. And if you like research like I do, Make sure you check out our website at com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hello, you guys, and Happy New Year. I hope you're off to a great start whenever you're listening today or watching, and I just want to say how excited I am to welcome Dr. Anita Coonley to hang with us today on the EM pod. I'm so grateful and excited when we get to refresh ourselves with learning from a different lens. And today, although we've had a few episodes on attachment theory before and the four different styles of attachment, today Dr. Coonley puts on a different lens as she allows us to do a Bit of internal family systems work, if you will, when she gives us the chance to look at not just anxious, disorganized, withdrawing, and secure attachment, but she actually puts on role titles for each of these that give us a bit more grace, which I love because no one is always perfectly, securely attached. And she reminds us that each part of us is doing something important to stay safe. But I think what I love even more than that today is that not only does Dr. Cooney- come from such a research-based space, but that she also codes attachment, has such vast theory in it, teaches over at Liberty and Regent, um, and also comes in with this soft lull for us to truly allow her to soothe us, do a practice with us today, and even invite us to her new book. She's a fellow Baker Books author, and she is. I just wanted to get this episode out right before her launch date in case you wanted a pre-order bonus. She has attachment uh, worksheets. She has an ability for you to get a signed copy before, an audio copy. Be so I know how much I appreciated that every time I've bought a book pre-order, and her book is right around the corner, so I wanted you to make sure you could grab that first. Um, But really thankful for her today. You're going to see her walk me even through an exercise today, and I hope that you really allow yourself to just come into even more secure attachment with us in this new year. If you got to hear our big five episode this week, then you know we're looking at some other paradigms along with our Enneagram work here so that we can have the fullest chance for a wholeness that we bring into a relationship So I'm thankful and excited. And as a reminder, all of her information's in the show notes. And also, I want to let you know that I have my five-week course that starts next week, too. So if you want to continue the journey with me through the Enneagram and Marriage, Your Guide to Thriving Together and Your Unique Hearing, then don't miss out. We're going to be hanging an hour every Thursday starting next week together. So super grateful for all the work you're doing and I'm doing already in this new year or whenever you're listening, and I'm grateful that some of it we can do together. And just getting to know Dr. Coonley through this process has been beautiful too. And now we're friends and I'm going to be speaking to her students. And so it's always a joy to get to uh, have all of us connect with new faces uh, so that we continue to enjoy the social dynamic that we talk about a lot here. So, okay, let's talk to Dr. Anita. Dr. Anita, we're so happy to have you on the Enneagram and Marriage pod today. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Oh, Thank you so much, Krista. It's such a pleasure to be here with you today as well.
0: Oh, we love your topic, attachment. You have so many beautiful gifts to share with us. I had to really pick which questions I would ask today because I knew there was so much more we can discuss from your beautiful book, from your your wonderful work so um, and your other books. So let's talk first before we get on just a bit about you. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you got started in the field of attachment research and maybe a little bit about your own relationship.
1: Yeah. So, you know, attachment has always been fascinating to me. I remember Mm -hmm. when I first started out in my master's program, I was studying counseling Mm -hmm. and I felt like this whole new world opened up to me. uh, And as I was reading about attachment, I started understanding more and more about why we do the things we do in relationships. And I only wish I had started learning this earlier. And one of my mentors, Dr. Eric Scalise, who actually wrote the foreword for the book, he handed me uh, a book about attachment. And then ever since I started studying it, I just, I really never put it down. Mm -hmm. And I had my own challenges with relationships. You know, I had, um, You know, at one point I I went through a divorce, and uh, I went through some, you know, heartaches. As I guess we all have uh, different heartaches and uh, struggles throughout our relationship journeys. But one of the things I noticed was that some relationships would just thrive and go really well, and I had some beautiful relationships, Mm -hmm. and then others would sort of be more of a struggle and a challenge. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to understand, you know, why and. You know how to sort of, uh, and and as I began working as a counselor and doing clinical work, and then eventually training counselors and psychologists um, that are doing both, um, you know, individual, marriage, and family work, wanted to just help with identifying specific interventions and tools that people could use to uh, help couples connect and thrive in relationship, Mm -hmm. rather than getting getting stuck. And Mm -hmm. the more I learned about attachment or what we call in this book relationship styles, the more I realized that um, attachment explains so much of what Mm. happens in our relationships.
0: Yeah. That is so fascinating. So you're like, I've, you know, remarried now, but I have gone through the depths of almost despair at times and wondered with certain people and why they maybe triggered me this way, or, you know, the people that you've been in the world with, um, I love that you're like, it was personal and also as a student, as a research party to see like, what's the common theme here? And it sounds like it's been these relationship styles that keep coming up depending on the kind of parenting people had or background people had or relationship styles they're in.
1: Yes, definitely. It's definitely been a blend of personal and professional. And uh, Mm. I think you're right. It all, you know, all roads seem to point back to attachment. And we develop these blueprints early in life about how we build relationships. And basically, the way we answer two questions informs what our relationship style will be.
0: Mm. I'd love to hear those questions.
1: So the first question is Are you worthy of love? And mm. the second question is, are others competent and capable to show that love?
0: Mm. And
1: depending, on, you know, each of the styles answers those questions and, in, in, you know, differently and in different combination.
0: Mm. Now, you're going to talk us through, which we cannot wait, the four relationship styles today. Um, but I also wondered if these are uh, anything to do with the traditional attachment styles that we hear about with the avoidant and disorganized and secure and anxious, any relationship yes. to those?
1: Exactly. That's exactly right. So in okay. the book, the four relationship styles, the subtitle is actually how attachment theory can help you in your search for lasting love. Mm-hmm. And... um we've tried to make it very user-friendly and easy to understand. That's what I
0: okay. Yes. So
1: it, it's all based on attachment theory. You're exactly right. And those four types are just recast um, mm. to uh, use the metaphor of occupations, just like our jobs help us to meet our financial needs. Our relationship styles help us to meet our relational, emotional, psychological needs. Mm. And so, for example, the secure networker is a master connector. They tend to move towards relationships, relationships, towards connection and towards other people. Um, And so just like in, uh, you know, when we talk about in academics and we get into attachment theory, we might talk about the secure autonomous free style Mm -hmm. um, or for short, the secure style. And that is the networker, right? The the one who answers Mm -hmm. both of those questions in the affirmative. Yes, I'm worthy of love. Mm -hmm. And yes, other people are competent and able to show love.
0: Oh, so the networker is somebody who says, yeah, we can get things going in the world. We can trust each other. We can do this. Yes.
1: Mm. Oh yeah. How yes. Fun. They're just masters at that. And I like that you said that we can trust each other because mm. for networkers, they really, their, their early experiences with their relationships, yeah. um, their autobiographical history, so to speak, taught them that other people would be there for them yeah. over the course of many experiences. They just learned that people would generally be there for them to meet their needs. And um, it makes, makes it easier to trust, easier to toward turn towards connection yeah. and that creates a, a, a real clear strategy and style within relationship.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Well, tell us about some of the other styles.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, um, if we look at the firefighter style, for example, and one thing I think is really important to remember is that every style has strengths. You know, sometimes in the field of counseling or psychology, we can pathologize um, different styles or different problems, but each of these styles emerged, um, and and I think um, as a person of faith, that that God allowed us to develop resilience and to adapt to our environments with these clear strategies or or even uh, combination strategies in order to be able to survive and thrive in the circumstances that we found ourselves in Mm -hmm. and it just may be that um people are at some point interested in changing their style and that's okay Mm -hmm. because we're not stuck with the styles we have we can always make them better so
0: helpful thank you
1: Yeah. So, um, so just keeping that in mind, uh, going to like, for example, the firefighter style um, or what the attachment theory may call fearful uh, avoidance style. um, Mm. These individuals have walked through fire. They have, um, if you think about the early attachment experiments, these children to go towards their attachment figures, uh, they had to, in some instances, go towards someone who might've been volatile, who may have been Mm. Uh, abusive towards them. But in order to get their needs met, um, as a child, they had no other options. They literally had to walk towards the fire Mm. and sometimes they got burned. Um, But they also developed uh, a wide range of strategies. So Mm. they're unique from the other three styles in that sometimes their strategy looks like uh, the networker. Sometimes it looks more like the investigator. Sometimes it looks more like the security guard. So they kind of use a, a combination, not one clear um sort of organized strategy that's kind of always Mm -hmm. the same way they might use some different strategies they um tend to uh value relationships Mm -hmm. and oftentimes once they resolve abuse or loss that they may have experienced then they'll have a secondary style Mm -hmm. so i I think it with enneagram we talk about maybe wings but in attachment we have a primary style and a secondary style um when, when I started coding the adult attachment interview, um, which that was sort of <laughs> one of the, the big training uh, milestones along my journey was becoming a, a certified reliable coder of the AAI. Mm-hmm. It was a two year process. Wow. Um, but that's one of the things I learned for most of the styles. You when you when you finally go through and finish this uh, approximately seven hours of coding and assessment, you assign a primary style and a secondary style uh, based on all these different scales. and Oh,
0: it's so technical, which I like.
1: Yes, me too. (laughs)
0: Detailed. Oh, good. Okay, so that's really the background is you're like, here's how long I spent coding it. Also, we have a primary and then another one, but you're just saying, here we have the networker and then the firefighter who grew up with that sort of withdrawing style because they had to. And to clarify the reason it's called the firefighter, is that because they just like to fix things and put fires out real quick?
1: Well, great question. I think for the firefighters, they had to literally uh, walk towards the fire. So if their relationship figure, if their caretaker in early childhood was maybe moody or volatile or even violent at times in order to, um, meet their needs, their emotional needs, maybe they needed help with something, a diaper change, whatever, to go towards that caretaker, they had to go towards the source of danger or fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we think about firefighters, when everyone else is running out of the fire in a way, mm-hmm. they're kind of moving towards that danger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in order to connect and, and help people that may be in the fire, they have to sort of go in, so they develop a courage to face the fires, but also, mm-hmm. you know, some so along the way. And so I just like that that picture because um, it helps us to kind of appreciate what the firefighter has had to go through. Yes. Um, and okay. when we talk about trauma, sometimes there's this concept that, or this this reminder that it's if you've gone through trauma, it's not that there's something wrong with you, but that there's something wrong with what happened to you. Yeah. And so with a firefighter, they've had a normal response to mm. an abnormal situation. And so they've developed uh, a more eclectic approach, whereas the other um, three styles, the investigator and the security guard, and the networker, they have one clear strategy. The mm. networker, they move towards connection. They network, they connect. Mm. Um, the security guard moves away. The investigator gets a little tangled up. But
0: interesting,
1: okay, yeah, but the three styles, those three styles have a clear direction mm. that they're moving, okay and now the investigator
0: one, it, one I'm sorry I Sure. Was, go it on. corresponds with which one
1: so the investigator style um in in this scenario and it might be a little bit different language than the Enneagram, but yeah. is is the um, anxious attachment style, or uh, what's sometimes called the preoccupied attachment style. So they're analyzing and looking for clues mm-hmm. and data that may demonstrate that uh, others love them and that they're mm-hmm. worthy of love. Maybe they're perpetually picking off the petals of a flower. Mm-hmm. He loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not. But looking for that data and that evidence to to support that. And, and they tend to find, investigators tend to find what they're looking for. Um, you know, sometimes, unfortunately.
0: Uh... Well, right. I love that you're reminding us of how powerful the inner narrative is. And I know nothing about that mm-hmm. personality style <laughs> <It's joking laughs> that, as I'm investigating you. <laughs> but I, I think anyone like in the Enneagram world, the five, sixes, sixes, and sevens are like, yes, we get this or the self-preservation oriented uh-huh. types. And so, um, But we love hearing about how we can even shift within that. And there are, you know, strong possibilities for being more secure than anxiously attached. And there are strong possibilities of sometimes even if you are an anxious type, you're going to go towards like a firefighter, like one of our fives might do. So I love how you're helping us with these newer labels. So we can kind of notice when there was a trauma or a tragedy, this investigator needed to know, it sounds like.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's a great point. They they really needed to know because there was only one thing that was consistent about the investigator's background,
0: mm-hmm. and that
1: was that there was inconsistency. Mm-hmm. So the one thing that they could count on was that, that they never really knew what to expect from their caretakers. Sometimes they might get really present and um, available and, and invested caretaker. Other times they might get someone who was preoccupied or irritable. Mm-hmm. And so they became masters at observing and taking Mm. in data and clues and analyzing and identifying kind of what situation they were dealing with so they would be able to Mm. um, know how to prepare themselves and how to adapt um, Mm. like chameleons, but to, to become what's needed to survive. Uh, in in those circumstances. So there's a lot yeah. of uh, strength there in adaptability and analytical oh, thinking yeah. and being That's... so in touch with other people's emotions. Yeah. But just like any strength, right? if we overuse it, mm. it could become a challenge for us. So then if they're overly attending to other people's emotions, they can also often lose their own or neglect their own.
0: Yeah. That makes so much sense that you're like, They're projecting and losing potentially all the love that is already there. So, oh, my goodness. We're so grateful for all your investigatory work on all this with us. Um, (laughs) Now, tell us, is there a fourth style to look at? And I also had sort of interrupted your process in order to just clarify on that one.
1: Oh no, I love I love the flow back and forth and you know the, your thoughts. Um, yeah, the security guard style is I think the the last one we didn't talk about yet, but the security guard. Um, We've used to describe the avoidant or dismissing attachment style. Because just like a security guard that's protecting the perimeter of an estate that might have an outstretched arm saying, you know, step back, stay back, I'm mm-hmm. um, protecting this boundary line. Mm-hmm. Um, relational security guards are really concerned with guarding their independence. They're concerned with their, maintaining their boundaries, um, their personal space. And when it came to their childhoods, they experience a lot of rejection. And so if you imagine um, the baby boy in his crib crying and and perhaps his mom being told, you know, don't spoil a baby, you know, Mm -hmm. let him cry it out. And so eventually this baby realizes that no matter how long he cries, no one's coming. Mm -hmm. And so he begins to turn towards his toys, turn away from connection. So a child is only, and every child experiences some rejection, but for the security guard, that becomes a primary feature of their experience Mm. so that they're tending to now um, default towards turning away from connection, turning Mm. towards independence, turning towards activities. As a strength, they're often highly independent, highly competent and able. Um, A lot of the energy that maybe some other styles put into relationships, they may put into hobbies Mm. or work or other activities. they'll usually carry their load if you're working with them on a group project, but they may mm. uh, want to work alone. <laughs> yes. Uh, so that. again, that, that strength that can become a challenge is there too. Um, when it comes to their narrative, when you're talking with a security guard and when I was analyzing assessments, specimens, I noticed their, their narratives tend to be the shortest mm. and sometimes there can be some idealization and um, dismissal but um, they tend to have a clear strategy and that's just moving away. Mm-hmm. And another thing that's important to remember is re- a relationship styles or attachment styles are completely different from personality styles or Enneagrams. That's why it's so helpful to, to look at both yes, because yes, uh, the the attachment styles are part of the attachment behavioral system and the attachment behavioral system is activated um, during times of distress So when we're stressed out, when we're triggered, when we're overwhelmed, that's when the attachment system is activated. So Mm -hmm. someone could have a personality style that's very bubbly and outgoing and other oriented. But then when they get stressed out, they might tend to, you know, withdraw or move away from that connection. More Mm -hmm. like the the security guard style we talked about where they, they want to sort of move away and keep a distance Um, and maybe sort through their feelings by themselves. Unlike the networker that would tend to go towards someone, maybe uh, we know what that looks like during childhood, right? The child going to the mom crying, but during adult romantic relationships that might mean asking for um, encouragement, for prayer, for support, um, for a hug. uh, Whereas the uh, security guard may do the opposite and just ask for a break or some time to themselves Mm. or to Mm. take a walk.
0: That is fascinating. And can you explain the difference between the firefighter and the security guard? Just to clarify that the firefighter is not as withdrawing as, because I know you said they sort of turn off emotions and go toward people, or am I hearing that wrong about the firefighter?
1: So the firefighter is what's been called in the att- attachment literature and the academic literature, the fearful avoidant type or fearful, the avoidant. Okay. disorganized for loss or disorganized for abuse. Okay. I don't particularly love those terms because yeah. they don't necessarily sound as pleasant, but um, mm-hmm. so for the firefighter, they might use a combination of the strategies of the other style. So sometimes they might move towards like the, Uh, networker but other times they might distance like the security guard Mm -hmm. and other times they might become more kind of preoccupied and entangled like the investigator um, Mm -hmm. because they you know they were basically in an irreconcilable situation as children Mm -hmm. no matter what they did they couldn't uh, really negotiate that situation with their caregiver either you know they had lost a caregiver and so they didn't have much supporter or help or they had a caregiver that was perhaps abusive or neglectful mm. and no so they had to try whatever they could do and maybe sometimes they just felt stuck or or frozen mm. um but they had to move towards some danger so with the security guard they tended to um have parents that provided for their their basic mm-hmm. needs and um perhaps loved them in their own way but they tended to Um, sort of push them away and encourage them to be independent Mm. and say, maybe go play in your room, go outside, go do this, go do any iteration of sort of go away. Yeah. And so security guards just eventually turn away. So then their primary way of dealing with both emotion and relationship is to minimize, Mm. to de-emphasize it and Mm. to move away from it. So let's say in the adult attachment interview, uh, if you ask a security guard, well, you said that your relationship with your mother was loving, um, could you give me a specific memory that illustrates that? The, the classic response might be, well, she was loving because she was caring. What's your next question? Mm. Right? So yeah. clearly moving away from it. like yeah. you know, yeah. um, <laughs> That's
0: so interesting how you can see it as you're interviewing that the style of answering is part of all of it.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. It really is fascinating. Because like with the investigator, you notice there's often more um, preoccupation in their thought. So they might be uh, preoccupied with anger, you might hear them use exaggerative speech, you tend to hear more passive language, mm. and more uh, violations of manner of the manner in which they speak. Mm. Uh, so less flow and coherence. Wow. So they all have their own specific Uh, It comes out in the narrative, the autobiographical narrative.
0: Wow. Oh, I love that you guys coded this and you can help us to see these styles. And guys, of course, in her book, you're going to see them flow more and I have these questions that I'm just trying to bring clarity for our audience with, but I love how you've organized the information because already we realized talking about attachment can bring things up for people. So it's so good that you've, you've really narrowed it down for us. Um, Why do you feel like um, you are here now to empower us with it? What do you feel like is the reason why this book was just, this is the timing for our empowerment with attachment?
1: You know, It's interesting when I was, I I often taught a lot of counseling skills courses Mm -hmm. and one of the, um, because that's what, you know, I, I train counselors and psychologists and one of the skill sets that we would look at is reflecting meaning and kind of going in and exploring with your clients, what is meaningful to them about their narrative and their story. Mm -hmm. And that's when I always brought up attachment. Like, let's look Mm -hmm. at their relationship rules, how they answer these questions. Am I worthy of love? And are other people competent and able to show me that love? And that that really explains a lot, right? And mm-hmm. it defines what their attachment style will be, mm-hmm. but also how they make meaning of their experiences. Yeah. So if someone believes that they're not worthy of love mm-hmm. and someone else slights them even inadvertently, they can easily forget their Q-tip, right? The Q-tip mm-hmm. is an acronym for quit taking it personally.
0: Mm-hmm. And they can
1: really personalize, mm-hmm. uh, situations and take it as an affront and be hurt and Mm. you know the other person might not have it have any idea. so we kind of talked about uh these things and then how it can develop what you mentioned earlier trust the ability to you know trust your counselor and go deep in a session and um you know whenever, whenever we'd go into that, students would just come alive, you know, they would start asking Mm. all these different questions, and (laughs) they would ask things like, well, can you have more than one attachment style, can you have different attachment style to different parents, and, Mm. um, you know, are your attachment styles, like, locked in, or can you change, are Mm. they on a continuum, you know, all this great discussion, and then what was most fascinating is that students would ask, and this is so rare, but they would ask, oh, Dr. K, can you give us a, um, Mm-hmm. Uh, book recommendations like can you can you recommend some books on attachment mm-hmm. and you know remember these are grad students so they have all this required reading already and they were yeah. asking for more and yeah. oftentimes I was recommending um, one of my colleagues books uh, Clinton and sibsy's book attachments yeah,
0: I loved that book when I was in um, my first years of practice two decades ago
1: Oh, I love that you read it. Yeah. So, like two decades not ago, many right? We'll talk been a while. about that though. <laughs> yes.
0: And agreed. Like, I want right. a good one, but it's been a while.
1: It's been a while. Yeah. So, I definitely recommended that one. And then I would recommend all these different current um, peer reviewed articles and journals. Mm-hmm. And then I had one student who said, Well, all these articles, like, what about books? Mm-hmm. And then I remember thinking, Oh, yeah. Well, there's not really a, a current, you know, there there's these books I recommend. Yeah, but that's how I one. have. Yeah. That incorporates all this data. So I guess I'll have to write it because it doesn't exist.
0: Right. Especially um, um, faith-based. And I, I think that yes. that really goes well with couples work and Sue Johnson's work on emotionally focused therapy. Like, mm. like we have to work on secure attachments, but even when we do, I know you talk about God being our attachment too. So just knowing that you've added that faith element and how important that is to you, plus that you've scoured and researched, we're just so thankful.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate your appreciation. Um. (laughs) But yeah, it's really so important. And I think if people can have a sense of what their style is, I mean, not everyone can take the adult attachment interview because it, I mean, it's very expensive. It's long Mm. At the coding process is long. It's so uh, labor intensive but we do have um, a validated assessment in the text called the relationship styles test or the rest. Mm -hmm. And I do, I mean, I I definitely recommend the AAI if you have access to all that, but the book just makes it these concepts accessible Mm -hmm. so that you can identify your style, Mm -hmm. um, embrace the strengths. Mm -hmm. I think one of the problems is we tend to have a lot of shame around different styles or different relationship blueprints, like -hmm. the belief of not being worthy of love or the belief that others are may be unable to show that love. Mm. And the problem with that shame is that when we feel ashamed, we tend to hide. But we can even hide from ourselves Mm. and be more in denial. Um, And so that denial heals nothing. So that can be a real challenge. And I think recasting the relationship styles as occupations and knowing how each one serves us in different settings in different mm. environments and each one has strengths can help people maybe embrace them. And that's one thing I really appreciate about the Enneagram. Um is that you know there's always that sense of okay, each style has challenges and strengths.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's true. And I love how you're reminding us that we can understand the mechanism, whether Enneagram or attachment work here with you and these relationship styles, that there's a purpose of each of these styles. And sometimes we do slide around in them a little bit. But it reminds me of internal family systems work a little, too, to say, hey, we've got a lot going on in here. And what are the major players in your life? And so I love how you said this is a way we can grasp that even more is with your new book. Um And I love how you also incorporate some of Mr. Rogers in previous books also, (laughs) um, because my daughter was just sending our family today. She's like, oh, my gosh, my type four daughter. She's like, you have to see Mr. Rogers. I love him. He's such a nine wing one. And I'm like, oh, okay." Um, So my husband loves him. And I was just so happy like our audience could have such a safe person like you. Um, But, you know, before we go, there's a couple more questions if you have time for them that I was going to ask. Oh, good. Okay. I was going to ask, like, I noticed that you have some powerful yet simple dynamics for helping us to just, you know, whatever your attachment style is, understanding um, some main causes for success and failure in relationships. So would you mind going over that with us?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we have so much relationship science available to us and we've learned more and more with, um, you know, I tend to teach the statistics course um, at the at the university where right. I work, and with inferential statistics, we're just making inferences, but um, some of the current research has been able to predict with over 90% accuracy whether couples will remain together mm. or um, will go their separate ways, mm. and so that's pretty high when it comes to inferential statistics, and yeah. one of those key factors that predicts that success is turning toward, mm-hmm. like moving towards your partner rather than away or getting tangled up. And that is essentially um, the tendency of the secure networker. Mm -hmm. However, investigators tend to try to turn towards as well, but may sometimes get tangled up. Mm -hmm. Um, Firefighters may have that desire to turn towards. Um, and so one of the aims of um, learning your relationship style or attachment style is being able to increase that sort of self-awareness so you can know what your tendencies are and know what happens when you experience stress. Mm. Um, and so during times of stress, um, a security guard's gonna tend to isolate, move away from connection. Um, an investigator might get more preoccupied with their fears or their angers. And maybe reading into or interpreting things that may or may not be there, um, and a firefighter might get easily triggered and maybe go into fight or flight um, and begin to shut down or get totally overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And so, just knowing what those tendencies are, I think, is the first step, mm-hmm. and then being able to notice the the early signs. So, if someone notices when they start to feel flooded and emotional well maybe they have like a little bit of tension in the heart area or in their shoulders and when they first feel that coming on when they can sort of take a step back and begin to look at what's happening and what their thoughts are you know that that's an opportunity to um begin to bring awareness right which is which is the first step and begin to to make shifts where where we want to make shifts one of the things I love that you brought up Mr. Rogers um, because he was such a master at helping people feel Mm -hmm. more secure. And I think that's the thing to remember that whatever your style is, you can be high functioning within that style and have high awareness and tend to move towards valuing relationships Mm -hmm. and have better experiences, or you can be low functioning and sort of disconnected, shut down, like um, in denial, you know, and struggling more. So I think Increasing your awareness is that first step to increasing that level of functioning. But there's specific strategies. Um, and so if if you'd like, um, I can share with you one that I call the 10-second transformation because it's so quick.
0: Yes, let's do it.
1: Let's do it. All right. So this one comes from Mr. Rogers. And um, do you think your listeners uh, are familiar with Mr. Rogers?
0: I do. I do. We have some millennials. We have some Gen Xers. We have maybe a few, definitely a few baby boomers and Gen Zers. So, okay. or you can awesome. even preview him a little bit too for them.
1: Okay. So just in case I'll, I'll give a little preview, but so Mr. Rogers had this television program called Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. It was on the air for over 30 years, uh, 800 plus episodes in the United States and Canada um, across across the course of three decades. And, you know, Mr. Rogers he was trained by some of the best in developmental psychology. He lived in Pittsburgh and at the university of Pittsburgh worked with Dr. Margaret McFarlane. She was his counseling supervisor for his counseling course during seminary. And, she worked at the Child Development Center alongside Eric Erickson. Oh my
0: who gosh, I didn't know was, that. Yeah, and
1: Eric Erickson was a huge player in developmental psychology, oh, yeah. developing the psychosocial theory of development, uh, along with Benjamin Spock, who was a big name in developmental psych. Yeah. And so he was trained among the best. And he and Dr. McFarland hit it off so well that they wound up doing supervision for the course of his career or consultation. And he would meet with her and he would take copious notes and she would teach him concepts. Like, for example, she would she used to say, you know, whatever is human is mentionable and whatever is mentionable can be manageable. And he shortened it to whatever is mentionable is manageable. And. He would take these concepts and make them applicable to children, mm-hmm. and so the uh, in a blog in the American Counseling, uh, so published by the American Counseling Association, um, we talk about this idea that he was America's children's television therapist mm-hmm. because he worked so hard to create this therapeutic atmosphere God, for kids.
0: So I used to love watching him put that coat on and his slippers, mm-hmm. and there's just such a flow
1: yes yeah i i love that you said because that, that was my favorite part too every day oh. he would come in he would sing it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood would you be mine could you be mine won't you be my neighbor as he's putting on his cozy cardigan and mm-hmm. um you always knew what to expect with him yes and yeah. he helped, he helped people feel safe. you
0: know through her like yes a lady, the gray <laughs> one or the brown one or the blue one <laughs> so.
1: right what color will be today And then um, at some point he would um, take the trolley to Mm -hmm. take us to the land of make believe Mm -hmm. uh, to explore with the puppets where he would talk about often difficult topics that people would tend Mm -hmm. to avoid, like divorce. Um, And then he would go back to his television Uh, living room and then kind of process what happened in the land of make-believe so he really helped children to learn to transition back and forth and
0: oh my gosh um, pendulation play therapy you're just giving (laughs) us all the reasons I didn't even think
1: about that yes everything was so intentional you know and he he was also credited with saving uh public television and earning 20 million dollars and um yeah, the Mr. Rogers effect like talks all about this, but <laughs> I know we yeah, could thank go. Thank you for that book, long. too. We need to but... make a plug
0: for that book. Okay, wow. Yeah, tell <laughs> us you. his things, though, because I get that. that We need more of him because, actually, you have a lot more on that topic, don't you?
1: Yes, yes, yeah. Um, but the 10-second transformation, it, it comes in that helps us feel more secure from him. is It's something that he used to do single time he spoke because he would get asked to speak at graduation ceremonies he received multiple television awards mm-hmm. um, but every time he spoke to a big audience um he would do this exercise mm-hmm. and oftentimes there wasn't a dry eye in the room mm-hmm. um and and we'll just um if it's okay we can just adapt it for this setting and and for your listeners mm-hmm. um so Krista, I see like you've earned your master's degree. You have created this podcast. You are reaching so many people and helping people with concepts related to love and marriage and understanding themselves and their personalities and others. And all all those that are listening are investing their time to increase their awareness and understanding their journey and others' journeys and um creating more connection and safety in the world. And chances are that um, each one of us did not get to where we are today. I mean, people that, that care and, and value um, connection and, and want to promote this in the world on our own. Chances are there were other people along our journeys that helped us to become who we are today, that loved us into being. They may be close by, they may be in the same room or building, they may be far away, or they may even be in heaven. Mm. But chances are there's someone that that loved us into being who we are today. So if we could, let's take just 10 seconds to think about someone that loved us into being. I'll keep the time. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to to think about that person and imagine how happy they would be to know that as you reflect on on where you've come in life, that you thought of them as being a part of your journey.
0: Mm, that was beautiful. And I thought of my mom who is deceased. And I did mm. get a few tears. So I was like, how am I getting tears that fast?
1: Mm, yeah. Oh, that's, I love that you thought of, of your mom. Mm-hmm. You. Yeah. You know, I, it was with you, too. I thought of my my memes who's deceased as well. She died a few years ago. I always keep her picture right here with me. Um, she was 91 years young, and um, she was a very godly lady who was very loving and kind and um, just tended to bring out the, the best in people. One, uh, She used to call everybody honey, sweetheart, and dear. And once I said memes, I love the way you tend to just bring out the sweetness in everyone you interact with. Uh, and she said, "Can I tell you something, honey?" And and I said, "Tell me something, meme." She said, "I call them those things so I don't have to remember their names." Oh my
0: <laughs> gosh, that's hilarious! You're like, it worked though. We felt so nurtured.
1: None of us minded a bit. Yeah.
0: So smart. After you get a certain age, of, you know, I'm calling my kids. I'm calling my son my dog's name. I mean, like this woman is brilliant. Plus, I love her name meme. That's just iconic. Aww.
1: <laughs> yeah that's, that's what we called her her, her name is Ida Molina but yeah we called her memes oh
0: my but, gosh I love it. as my kids would say memes is mother everything is mother Taylor Swift is mother
1: oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you're just oh. reminding us of this beautiful exercise I'm sure everyone here in our audience was doing this with somebody too and just a nurturer in their life that they can think on oh, so. or thank you
1: and Krista, I'd love to ask you, like I can see your beautiful smile and your eyes light up, but I just wonder like what kind of feelings come up for you or thoughts as you kind of think about your mom and what she meant to you.
0: Okay. Well, yes, what a great question. And I um actually, when you were sharing your meme's picture, I was looking over at my mom's picture. And for those who are mm. for those who are watching without getting my light in the way. On YouTube, I have a picture of my mom, me, and my daughter, and it's so precious mm-hmm. because um, my daughter got to spend time with my mom, and um, as you heard, I mean, just the imagery of how beautiful her spirit and soul were. Oh, I mean, by the time that picture was taken, she was sort of a hot mess from her stroke. And so Mm -hmm. I, when I look at that picture, I think of myself as I don't don't know why I, I think I just have it because it's generational, but I think of me being pregnant with my next daughter. Me and that, me chasing that toddler and my mom around. (laughs) So Mm. it was kind of crazy. Very challenging
1: season. Yeah, (laughs) it was a hard
0: season. But I also think about the love when I see her beautiful Mm. smile. I think about she's smiling through that. You know, she's smiling Mm. through having almost every faculty taken from her, and that Mm. was just who she was. So even my daughter and many who met her post-stroke, they helped Mm. me to see. Her glorious beauty shining through all the seasons. So I just, when you said that, I thought of the little kid years and her putting me on her warm lap and accepting mm. me and loving me for just exactly who I was.
1: Oh, I love that. So all those things that you mentioned, like her loving you, putting you on her warm lap, yeah. there's like this warmth, this acceptance, yeah. this caring, all these feelings of security and and safety and love are sort of bubbling up and You know, in attachment theory, sometimes we talk about the circle of security Mm -hmm. and those are all things that help us to get on the top of the circle, which allow us to explore and connect. And um, unfortunately, we know not everybody had an incredible mom like this that was so Mm -hmm. nurturing and loving or a a meme who was uh, loving and endearing and humorous, right? Um, Some people grew up um, in really painful circumstances that I hope for everyone there was a a teacher or an aunt or uncle or grandparent or just yeah. someone along their journey that loved them into being. Um, but the good news is that God offers second chances. Mm-hmm. You know, as a person of faith, I believe that as some people would say, you know, life offers second chances, yeah. but they're, they're, you're not stuck with the relationship style you have. You can always mm-hmm. increase that level of security. And we call this a security priming exercise as you sort of, yeah. um, increase that, that those feelings of security and move towards Mm. uh, basically as, as we become more secure, our level of anxiety goes down, relationship anxiety goes down, relationship avoidance goes down and comfort with closeness goes up. Mm. And so that's sort of that threefold process that we want to happen. And it looks different for each style because there's different sort of challenges for each one. And what we have to do is different, but there's some commonalities like remembering those people that loved us into being um, that that can be really helpful and, and occasionally someone will have some painful or difficult emotions come up and then that's something in a, in a one-on-one setting that we can always sort of talk through um, yeah. but generally when I ask students you know what feelings came up for you um, oftentimes they say things like gratitude warmth love safety And then the second question I love to ask is when you feel those things, gratitude, love, safety, security, how do you tend to behave? And there's all these positive adjectives that come once again. Mm. And um, I learned from a colleague uh, who used to keep a sign in her office and at home that said, do what you would do if you felt secure. Mm. Uh, Mm. If you felt warm and loved and comforted. Um, and then you would tend to behave in a whatever the case is for you like friendly helpful kind way mm. uh, we can sort of tap into those feelings mm. and then try to behave as our as our best self from an attachment perspective being on you know on the top of the circle mm. um, and and maybe um, I'd love to hear your thoughts of what that looks like for the different Enneagram types I wonder if that's maybe a certain wing or
0: well, I think the more expansive we become with our type, like learning our top type, like you and I talked about your top types of, I know everyone here can hear the peacemaker in you, the nine part, but also yeah. the three achiever as you um, have become more expansive with your uh your work prolific work now um and also uh you know when you tested you got some 3 some 9 some bright joyful 7 um and some 6 where you've been troubleshooting with all of this material in such an intellectual wise way and and so i think that that's what we would say i know those were your top four types and we would say we want to experience what's our main type so that we can figure out our vices in it and and have some healthy healing around it, but also what are our ways that we're starting to become more expansive and live like we would live if we felt more secure as we try on the coping styles. Um, So I love that your book invites us to these, uh, you said security, you called them security, not reference points, but what are the ways we become more expansive with security?
1: Well, there's these security priming exercises yeah. or exercises that can help us increase our level of functioning within each style. So mm-hmm. for the like security guard, for example, they have developed a tendency to minimize emotion and dismiss relationships and navigate away. Mm-hmm. So for them, in terms of increasing that level of functioning, they may want to work on expanding their window of tolerance for emotions, yeah. because even though they may be really appreciate the tendency to be able to minimize unpleasant emotions. Mm. Um, they're also missing out on those more pleasant emotions, wow. you know, the intimacy that can come with being able to share a full range of emotion. Mm. And so, um, you know, each, each style has some different, different tools, but so basically with for work with the security guard, we want to talk about how to increase that comfort level with those emotions. And we may start off by recognizing and, and trying to link, emotions with feelings in the body. So a security guard may be even disconnected and they may not notice that they're feeling upset or angry until they're maybe all of a sudden feeling a bit more explosive.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And then they're, they're tending to, to stuff those feelings a bit more. Whereas um, an investigator may be tending to kind of get stuck on thoughts or get preoccupied as you're trying to analyze what's going on in a relationship and for the investigator um we might want to integrate some tools uh like journaling mm-hmm. where we're stopping and, and trying to get the you know when the, when the investigator's are in the limbic system thinking about all these emotional memories and getting overwhelmed with emotion maybe we want to activate the prefrontal cortex which is mm-hmm. called the boss in your brain uh, as mm-hmm. dr daniel amen would call it or that the cop in your mm-hmm. rearview mirror that kind of keeps you on track mm-hmm. um and so then as, as you journal and there's specific protocols like situation analysis, where you analyze specific questions, a situation and it helps bring clarity to the thought process so that an individual is then able to um, sort of come to terms with what's happening in the relationship and look at, um, uh, you know, using other helpful tools, like for example, maybe the serenity prayer Mm -hmm. where they, they begin to say, okay, You know, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And then that begins to create a little more of the freedom that the secure networker has with that sort of autonomous relationship where they're able to kind of move more freely because their narrative tends to be free of blame. They're not likely to blame themselves or blame someone else. Mm. So they're not often stuck waiting for someone else to change Mm. for them to be able to be free to explore and engage. Whereas Mm. investigator may be feeling stuck in a relationship.
0: Yes, that happens a lot with my clients that are stuck there. You know, Mm. it feels like I have to have this. If I don't get this, I can't move on. So I love how you're reminding everybody. This is huge.
1: Yes. Wow. Definitely.
0: Oh my gosh, these tips are glorious. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I, I just I love hearing about how uh attachment and the Enneagram sort of complement each other and it's just a fascinating conversation.
0: It is. I'm so glad our audience has been waiting for more attachment conversations. So we'll have to have you back in the future too. Um, yes. This has been awesome. Your time is so valuable. Can you tell us where everybody can connect with you? I know I was looking up uh, to find you on social media too, but I also see all the books you wrote. So we'd love to hear what's the best place to, to find you.
1: Oh, uh, thank you. Well, my, my website is k u h n l e y K U H N L E Y.com. And if you click on books and then click on the four relationship styles, how attachment theory can help you in your search for lasting love, it has a pink cover. Um, then you can find out more information about the book, about uh, the quiz, uh, about the pre order bonuses. Um, also, um, I'm on Instagram. If uh, you want to connect there, my handle is at the period empathetic period counselor. And um, yeah, I think those are probably some of the best ways uh, to connect.
0: Mm, Thank you. That's great. And of course, I'm putting in the show notes um, your book and uh, all the pre-order information and so grateful and thankful and excited. Um, mm-hmm. So beautiful to hear that you are sharing on this lens. We can't thank you enough. Seriously, um, we just know that this is out of your heart, out of all the stories you've heard. You probably put thousands of hours now into time with clients, students, training psychologists, and helping us all. So thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me and for all your insights. And it's been such a pleasure to, to be with you all today. Oh,
0: thank you. And following you for sure on IG right now.
1: Oh, awesome. I will follow you back.
0: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing in this episode with us. It has been a journey. Oh, wow. She tapped into some really special places today. I got to really reflect on a safe place. Oh my goodness. What a safe place. And I hope that I am that safe place to my people. I hope that you feel that safety here. And I hope that you'll join her and I in the various platforms as you see fit. We want to make sure you're thriving in all of your relationships and knowing where and when to set boundaries, knowing when to rest knowing when to move ahead forward and most of all knowing how to love the best way possible so your beautiful gifts can be seen in the world okay talk to you later bye thank you again for listening with us it was so wonderful to have you i love knowing we're doing this journey together not perfectly but with love grace and hopefully some fun too if you love today's episode make sure you leave us a five-star review at apple podcast or spotify so others can find it too Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show as well as Enneagramandmarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.